Welcome to Scouting for Growth. Today, I'm joined by my dear friend, Jay Wentrop. Jay, indeed, was the founder of Introtech Connect that was sold to the client group a few years back. Today, Jay has a portfolio that consists of new events. He has a real estate tech event called Blueprint, a logistics tech event called Manifest, an edge tech event called Medicarian, and with Cumulus, is entering the agri and food tech. If there's a term that describes Jay for me is that he's an event entrepreneur, actually. Jay transformed his early digital marketing career into an industry leading event shaper. He delivered for exit to date, and he's passionate to build event that connect people. And so that's why he built Connective, a portfolio of industry-defining events. While events are what the community seeks, Jay shares, he wants to serve unique experiences. He's also shared with me that success is not measured by the number of attendees or sponsors coming to an event. Instead, the team he has built at Connective judges themselves by the impact they make on the world's largest industry, the most complex ones too, and that is amazing. On this episode of Scouting for Growth, Jay and I will discuss Jay's many of interests post InsurTech Connect. What is he focusing on those four industries and what purpose he's trying to um, fulfill? How does Jess serve sectors by delivering highly engaging conference experiences? And in a way, he also shares to me that it has to be face-to-face. So why? And what can we learn from cross-fertilizing lessons learned from one industry to the next and actually attended and attending numbers of events from achieving, I guess, problem-solving benefits to collaborations as well? So if you are enjoying listening to this podcast, do not forget to subscribe to it, rate it, and provide a comment here below. If there's a topic that you feel needs addressing, just send me a message using the communication channel options listed below too. So let's welcome Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi. Hello. Hello. I mean, it's been so long since I've been able to speak to you. So I'm just so excited to have you on Scouting for Growth. Oh, well, thank you. I'm very happy to be scouted. Well, we are looking for scouting, which actually the term, as you know, means um, in the world of technology and venturing is about finding uh, ventures. And, you know, when you are uh, doing a lot of the work with insurance companies, Remember, we were looking for startup all the time. But then the second part is about investing and finding uh, what I call transferability path. So investing, acquiring, partnering. So that's what we are trying to really talk about uh, on the podcast, but also talking to entrepreneurs and great uh, leaders like you, actually. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say I've done a fair amount of angel investing, which has really taught me that I should never be a VC. I like being friends with VCs, but I, you know, 
I'm only here to dissuade people of the notion that angel investing is a good idea. Really? Well, let's not, you know, let's not go too deep yet because let's do some intro. Okay. Tell uh, us, you know, who is Jay? You know, tell us about who you are, what you've done, you know, how have you built one of the leading conference we know in, in the world, in our industry? And uh, what is, what are you doing now? Oh, thanks. Well, you know, it's certainly that many people know me from having been the co-founder of InsureTech Connect, right? It's how we met, I think back to, it must've been March in 2016. And, you know, I'm at a, another event. It was the, like the 10 year anniversary or something like that of an event that I had started and was no longer running. And I wanted to just see how the, the baby was doing. And we were connecting and I remember being so stressed because you're in France and you know, well, I, no, you weren't in France at the time. I mean, you must have been still in the UK. And but I was thinking that like it was so noisy, and 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 all I was told is Sabine's amazing. You really need to make a good impression. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I, I'm just going to blow it here because I'm trying to like have a meaningful conversation from an expo floor, which is impossible. So the fact that we're still here, yeah, uh, you know, seven plus years later, is truly delightful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, I remember we were chatting, you were on the, the conference floor. It was very noisy. And then we were chatting about different things and said, you know, let's just catch up next week or, you know, a little bit later. And then we had a great chat about what you wanted to achieve. So tell us what has been the progress from the old to the new. So if I think about when we first met, it was, we had an idea and we said, we think that if we get a certain group of people together to care about insurance and you know, innovation, transformation, remind you, this is a time when no one knew if the term was insure tech with an E without an E, if the term was ins tech, no one really knew, but it was, we believe that getting a group together could make a difference. And no one knows like what it means. And the beauty of an event is oftentimes you're trying to capture a movement. You're trying to find a point in time when the world is changing. And when that is, when there's so much uncertainty, then, you know, FaceTime with the right people just adds an immense amount of value. So in, in many ways, while, you know, most people have known me for InsureTech, the, you know, when I think about the satisfaction and the joy, right, we created something that we're very proud of, something that is, you know, grew to 7,000 people under our stewardship and has only grown since then, the joy was not just from working in insurance. You know, like it was really helping connect an industry and, and helping play some small part in the lives of people who are changing like the world. And so when I think about like what is today, you know, today is, you know, the idea of can we apply this craft and this passion, this passion of face-to-face -face for industries, but do it across multiple industries and do it across multiple industries simultaneously. Right? Is there, in many ways, is there a playbook that you know, spans what are oftentimes seen as disparate industries? And so that is where we are today, three events live and one in development. And so can you share with us what are those events and new ones about? Oh, of course. I was hoping you'd ask, but I figured if I tried to squeeze all of that in in the last answer, I had just used up too much time. So today, the three events that we have is real estate tech, logistics tech, and I guess people might call it age tech, the whole senior health, wealth. 
And then the one that's in development is food and agriculture tech. Nice. Four of them. And um, it sounds that you're very much going into what I call the new industries, logistic, agri-tech, foods for food. I can see probably going into the new mode of eating, maybe no beef, um, you know, technologies and stuff like that. Um, real estate, everybody now with the moving from working from offices to being remote working, I assume there's going to be probably with your real estate work, a bit of crossover with the future of work potentially as well. Right. And crossover there, crossover with insurance. I mean, a lot of these industries, and that's what also was one of the magic things about insurance is you can't name, it's impossible to name something that insurance doesn't touch, right? If I'm sitting in, you know, sort of like my home or my office, if I'm interacting with a product, if I'm in a car, driving a car, it is amazing to think that insurance touches everything. And so it is no surprise that the things that we touch today, there is always some insurance component to it. But usually, I mean, if you think about, let's use real estate tech as an example, the what tends to happen, and I go back to the term of a movement, you know, and the reason we use this term is that you can't define it. If you think about it, again, back to insurance, is the movement in insured tech, was it about new products, new ways to underwrite, different ways to do claims? You know, was it back to sort of customer service or engagement? You, you didn't know how, it, it could be everything. And the question was, which one was right for you? Real estate, we all touch it, see it. It's oftentimes highly regulated. It's very pen and paper. And in many cases, there's just new models of, you know, like think about fractional ownership, or you think about uh, things like Airbnb that has completely transformed hospitality, but it's not just hospitality, it's really about real estate. So how do you manage, you know, sort of like your properties? If you're an investor, how do you invest in things that aren't just stocks, but how do you get new access to real estate? So all of these things have fascinating, you know, sort of like implications that are at the end of the day, yes, there's a tech component, but it's also a desire that says we have to do this differently. So when are those events, you know, when do you organize them? Because now you're running, I guess, once a year, four events. Am I right? Once a year, it'll be three this year and potentially four next year. So the three events are, you know, we kick off the year with logistics. Okay. That's going to be February. We then have Medicarians, which is our age tech senior one. That's in April, towards the end of April. And then in September is when we have our real estate tech event. Okay, super. And so... Are you taking all of it from your secret source and the playbook you built? Oh, the previous I mean, we, hope so, right? <laughs> we, we, we hope so. I mean, although that it, it sounds like the, um, you know, the uh, it, if you think about what is in all of our journeys, you know, it's predictable and repeatable. If we can find ways to make things predictable, repeatable, we can do more of them and more scalably. And that is, you know, our one of the one of our goals. You know, we've hit, you know, from like a if you're a person that is like us that does convenes large scale global events, I don't think the milestone is necessarily go from seven thousand to seventy thousand. So it really becomes how do we 
touch more lives. And in for us, touching more lives is connecting more industries in the same way. And what's super interesting is, again, with the overlap, there's almost always some company where they touch multiple verticals. So for us, right, it's a way to try to get more connected as a whole. So understanding your secret sauce, you have the startup, you have the investors, you have the corporates still coming together, right? To start having those conversations about the future of industry, about our technology changing that industry, how the investors can invest in those companies, the young ones and the corporate ones and the corporate finding partners, I guess, to enable their operation and their business. Exactly. I mean, if we, and I don't think it's at the risk of giving up, you know, sort of like too much, but when we think about our events, you have hit the three biggest ones, which is the startups, the investors, and, and, you know, and the industry executives, the incumbents. The hardest part about what we do is, you know, no one likes to be first. Everyone wants to be first to be second. And the hardest part of what we do is that, like everything else, scale matters. It's really hard to get to a 7,000, 10,000 person show starting off at a 300 or 500 person show. So what makes the, the challenge is that everyone thinks about, like in a world of tech, it's super scalable. What do they think about? They think about, well, just go buy ads. Like what are the scalable activities that make it seem like this is the path to growth? In our type of business and part of what is, you know, the joy of it is it's not just about, all right, can you raise a, you know, a ton of money? Can you hire the largest sales team? Can you build the biggest funnel because you have the largest sales team? It's, it's just not a singular widget that you try to scale across an infinitely large team. At the end of the day, it is about the one-on-one -on -one connections. I would say in, in some ways, right? It's, it is related to if someone is in a scouting role or if someone is in a venture role, or if you're a startup, a startup is not going to raise money successfully by blanketing LinkedIn with everyone that has the word angel on there. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people that will reach out to me and sort of be like, oh, I see that you've you know, invested in this. Do you want to invest in my startup? I mean, it just, if that works, fantastic. But that Yeah, I get a lot of those as well. And the problem is people do not even look at your industries. I mean, you have now four industries. You know, I try to focus on just the one which I master, which is insurance technology from a, an investment viewpoint. But then you get everything, the crypto to the, you know, real estate, everything is like, did you read my profile? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like the, how many buzzwords can we put together? It's an AI cloud, this, that, everything company that also does hardware. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if you think about the world of venture, <clears throat> it's, it's still relationship based. There's a there's a lot of, you know, the side and I mean, I'd say scouting is similar. right? There's a lot of not so glamorous work and the not so glamorous work is research. It is what is the universe? Who is out there? What do they do? And then trying to figure out, are they relevant? Could they be relevant? Is it worth having a conversation with? And I think what is so easy to get wrong is that the data itself is a commodity. So you can buy a list of companies and 
but you're not going to advance your company by buying a big list and trying to mail that big list. Not at all. The only way you're going to do it is saying, is this person relevant? Is this person relevant? And that's, that is the same with venture. It's, a, it's that personal outreach and trying to understand what's our goal. If our goal with InsureTech Connect was to have the policyholder benefit, then we have to ask ourselves, is this company, do they play some role in the policyholder's life? And yeah. if the answer is no, then they shouldn't be a priority for us, you know, sort of like right now and maybe right and maybe never. Absolutely. And um, one thing's come to mind is when you look at, um, you know, the past two years and what we've learned from remote working, how have you adapted the business model of your events to fulfill the need of an maybe an hybrid person, remote working person, a person who may want to travel to your location, but might also be overseas? How do you reach out to a bigger audience? I will say that it is making the decision, and I think it's hard for all of us. You have to decide, like, who do you want to be? And sometimes that means accepting that you can't be everything to everyone. And I think, right, the best companies, that's what they do. And certainly in insurance, there, right, there isn't anyone that is number one in every line of business. Right? There, there isn't. And so for us, you know, what we have become very passionate about is the face-to-face -face experience. And because of that, it has hurdles. It has right, time hurdles, cost hurdles. And those hurdles only get magnified when one is overseas. Oh, so one way that you can sort of you know, help that is, right, we can take our experience to them. That's usually the most common thing is at some point in time, like with Manifest, our logistics tech event, it, it is uh, just had its second year, had a little over 3,000 people, It's on the type of, you know, like industry defining event that gets us just super passionate about what we do at some point, right? We will want to take this experience overseas, but we're not going to do it by being a media company and doing a whole bunch of webinars and virtual events, because that is just not how we are best suited to make a difference to people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get that. Um, It's about being in the right place at the right time and actually understanding what makes the whole experience unique for people. You know, knowing that you 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 will you will be working with startups, right, as um, one of the key tech enablers of your conference. Can I ask you what your view is on the recent fall of SVB? Oh man, what a, I can't wait for either some. You know, it may not be a full-length movie, but there's going to be something. And, you know, I think my, you know, sort of like takeaway is, you know, it comes back to, I would say, the pros and cons of specialization. And it really comes back to knowing your customer. And in this case, I think right, specialization sort of did them in. So they, when meaning did them in, right, they are a... You know, a bank that was in many ways singular focused on a hyper-connected, you know, sort of network effect industry of startups and venture. And that is a, the exact thing that helped them grow so much quicker because a VC knows multiple startups. A startup has multiple other relationships. And so 
you have this compounding that when things go well is deposits coming into your bank. And it's also in an age of mobile phone, Slack, Discord, pick any of these things, uh, you know, WhatsApp, but the moment things go bad, yeah, no one predicted the speed with which the same networks that made them big mobilized to, you know, sort of destroy, you know, sort of the run on the bank. And I think what the real lesson, and the reason I say know your customer is, this is pure conjecture because I am not in finance and in many ways am uh, perfectly qualified to make an absolute speculation. But I think it wasn't that the health of the bank was in trouble, right? They did need to sell, you know, they made certain bets. Obviously one of the bets was park money at the height of when interest rates were low in low interest rates environments. We're gonna park that money for an extended period of time as well. And you know, the double whammy was, you know, the first whammy, they're getting low yields on their money. The second whammy was venture took a pause in, you know, this year, part of last year, right? It, it paused. And so instead yeah. of natural new accounts, new inflows, people started to like use the money they had in the bank. Bank, yeah. But they had plenty of money. It was just, hey, we need to, it's like rebalancing your portfolio. You know what? We need to sell some of this over here instead of holding on to it for 10 years. But what they needed to do was before they made that decision, and because that decision had a regulatory filing effect, they should have talked to their customers. And they should have said, you're going to see news about this. It is okay. It is, here's why. This is like, you know, the same way that they courted them to treat them like family and try to know their, you know, know them in order to get their deposits. They should have trusted them with the information that said, let me tell you what you're going to see so that you aren't surprised. And ultimately the narrative got away from them and they would have been fine if they had controlled the narrative versus letting everyone else get spooked. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember the time, the days 2015, 2016, actually, when we met Jay, you know, I had an account executive at SVB taking care of my startups, literally any startup, which came into my serration program, who'd get a bank account from them. For sure, there was a due diligence and there was a conversation. So they were, they had very strong processes. What was good for the startups, you know, young startup, tech startup coming into the UK, then only they had the network effect of working on an acceleration program. But then they also had access to the network, um, you know, SVB provided. And, you know, they've been alive for 40 years. I only knew them, you know, 10 years ago. And so... For me, I'd never seen uh, an organization so committed, actually, to the young ventures and doing so much for them. And I, I just wanted to highlight that, too. Yeah, no, and I think that was what was great is that they did such a good job of knowing their customer and how to serve them. But they, you know, what they didn't, and when I think about knowing your customer, it was they knew their business, but they didn't think about how to communicate with them and to remember that the same that same network effect that built them up, it, it can go both ways. And that's really, I think, what was missing is the that, belief, that understanding that the network could accidentally turn on you. Um, but no, that's what, that was what made them so great was like they took risks on companies when no one else would. They would lend when no one else would. And, right, and you, know, you don't want to get equity capital super expensive. So if you can get like, you know, debt, it's it's wonderful, and so it is. I think it's very sad that you know what 
happened because it right it tarnishes what was I think a great story for the community and ultimately a, a key player for innovation. Yeah, hundred percent a key player for innovation. And right now the narrative is you know will we have another SVB? Um, you know we were hoping that investment would start again next quarter. And the sentiment is, we'll have to see, not you anymore. And so, you know, this lack of investment in new ventures, I was looking, I don't even think there's any new insurtechs to date, actually, from the database, only the old ones now. Um, you know, the market to grow needs that innovation. And so I just wonder what's going to happen for tech founders in the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I think... The, the, the good and the bad news, right? It, it always comes back. There will always be an SVP. Somebody will say, I want to do this. Memory is short. And then hopefully they will remember just how to be a little bit more cautious on the other side. And right, innovation, you can't stop it. And the way the world is, right? It just It's radical swings. So it's going to be feast, famine, feast, famine. It's just not like slightly incremental down. So it's like you, we weather out a storm, do it again. We'll weather out a storm, and we'll do it again. So, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, looking at that story, looking at Jay now, and I guess the world of Jay is not anymore in show tech, it's technology for industry. What is keeping you awake at night when you look at all those amazing events you are shaping? How big is the team, actually? That is a question I would love to, to hear. But what's overall keeping you awake at night? Well, it was hard for me not to want to say my daughter, uh, you know, because she's having a bad period of sleeping right now. And so she's keeping me awake at night. Uh, but from a, you know, from a work standpoint, it's, it, it is, you know, right? it's un, I mean, uncertainty is never our friend. And when there's periods of uncertainty, you know, I think about as a live events business, uh, hard enough to get something off the ground, wonderful when it does. And then, oh, look, existential threat of, of COVID. And then... You know, the, the big worry there was, will tech replace live events? It didn't. So then you start to come back and then it's up oh, recessionary fears. Now, will budgets, you know, sort of do it. Then you try to then say, oh, guess what? Oh, now there's a potential run on the banks. Now many of our customers, do they have money? So there's always, you know, there's always something. And I think what, what we try to do to protect ourselves, you know, against the fact that uncertainty is, always there and there's always stress is to say are we working on a problem that we think is big enough interesting enough and enduring and that's why we never ultimately did a show in crypto because it was sort of don't know that it is enduring in the same way that insurance is enduring or real estate is enduring or right food is enduring or people are going to continue to age and need better care than what the world is able to offer today so can we continue to focus on like real things, and and hopefully with that end in mind, it, you know, it will give us the strength to continue to fight through all the stuff that life will throw at you, sort of along, you know, the way. When you look actually at some of the outcomes your delegates receive when they go to your conferences, actually, Jay. Can you share with us, you know, what are the outcomes, what are the benefits, what are the things you hear from people 
once they have had gone through the J experience. Right. Uh, once they once they go through the J experience, when is it next year? That's the outcome, uh, right? But in in seriousness, part of it is what do shows do? Shows are at the most mundane level a marketing exercise for companies. Now, that is the, the ROI of a show is oftentimes judged by, did I meet clients or prospects? But, but the problem is clients, prospects is very much a, like a buyer and a seller. And something that feels too much like I'm either a buyer or a seller is a car lot. And that's sort of the opposite of what you want. Like you, you don't want a car lot or a used car lot because then you're sort of right, you, you you just don't want to engage because you know that the moment you show intent, you're going to get pounced on. And you're like, ah, terrible. So like when I think about like, what is it that we really then try to do? I, strangely enough, there's two things that I really get excited about. One is when somebody comes with a lot of questions and they realize that they're not alone and nobody has the answers. There is something wonderful about realizing, you know, A, that you're not alone and that like, you don't have to, you know, like use up precious mental energy solving a problem that hasn't solvable at the moment. And the other one that is really interesting is just inspiration. Can people feel really good about working in that industry? Because there's something magical that, yes, you can have more deals, always good, need those. But imagine coming away feeling energized to do what you do every day. And if we do that uh, across enough people, there's just a collective compounding benefit. So those are, I'd say, two of the intangibles that we really strive for, in addition to you know, the quantitative components of people meeting the right people so that deals get done. Well, you know, I, I remember from, you know, and still today, you know, going through a lot of events. And more so than probably I used to, first I know that events, when you look at the marketing strategy still today is the number one place where you can actually meet great relationships, create contacts because they have that face-to-face engagement. So, you know, that ability to network and connect with people becomes really crucial. That's why, you know, you deciding to focus on the face-to-face and potentially give a, a digital experience for those post-event that may actually want to see the presentation and the content and maybe convince them to come in the future is very special. But for me, it's uh, often was a space where I have time to learn. Uh, you know, when you work at 100 kilometers an hour, you know, going into those two, three days of conferences and hiding yourself from people and being able to sit in a conference room and uh, just listen in, it's just so special. And unfortunately, we don't have enough time for that. But what I remember from you on stage is inspirational speech from Jay. And, you know, you even came to do it for me in Hartford. And I was so blessed when you did that. But yes, I can see that brand exposure becomes really key. And finding the best way of doing that and building a relationship as well is a key part of those events. And I think the best things, no one wants to feel like a lead. And it's amazing that at the end of the day, the, you think about some of the product companies that people love and they're so passionate about this. They're, they're basically, a, they're a customer. It's a, they, they have a transactional relationship with the business, but it doesn't feel that way. And that's, 
always the, the magic, the joy is the world survives on transactions, but it doesn't grow, uh, right? If you feel like you just have that transactional relationship and there's no, you know, there's really no other way to solve for that than just caring. And, you know, I am thinking about a company where they have a title of head of wow. What in the world is a head of wow? They're not even sure that they know what a head of wow is other than like looking and trying to pick apart and say, is this a good experience? And right, that like, are we treating people the right way? Are we saying the right words? And normally that sits into, you know, a silo of like, you know, it's in a marketing bucket or a customer experience bucket versus trying to say, like, are we delivering something that people are happy with? And it's, yeah, takes a different way of thinking. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. The wow effect, um, I think some country call it factor, the wow factor effect, a chief wow factor person um, to drive this experience. Now, looking at the fact that you have you know, adjacent uh, industries you are, you are combining together, even though they have their respective um, event and show. Do you see cross-fertilization? And I know you mentioned insurance touch everything, but when you look at your delegates and your attendees, do you see cross-fertilization around your audience between one event to the other? And could you share with us what you think is the benefit of cross-fertilizing from one sector to the other? I think it oftentimes the answer to your question is yes. When I think about what you know we try to do and what makes what we do immensely difficult is we break down silos. We get together people that don't normally spend time together. If you think about somebody that is in strategy or somebody that is in claims or underwriting, they just don't get together on a daily basis and their worlds are very unique. So the hard part is convincing someone that says, oh, you know, in the US, PNC and life, immensely separate. Trying to say to someone that is like, well, I'm in life, I'm not in PNC, why should I go to a show where there's PNC people? You know, it's a, it is until you experience it, it's a big hurdle. So usually what will happen is we'll take a global corporate company like a Pepsi as an example, and Pepsi, is in many ways, we think of them as a food company, uh, but they're also a logistics company. Now, the people that are trying to figure out how to do shelf stability, how to lower sodium, you know, how to create more efficient packaging is very different than the people that are deciding, do they have robots in their warehouse? Like, what does last mile look like? So the, you know, that cross-pollinization is usually, I'll call it, say, on the, the logo level. And you know, even with venture, it's the same thing. So venture, you know, there's sometimes very specialized firms that do only one thing, but even then it's they oftentimes will touch multiple segments. And so for us, it's, hi, right? You may remember us from X. Do you happen to have a colleague uh, that might be focusing on Y? Oh, you do, great. Could we have a, you know, could we pick their brain? You think they might want to speak? All of that stuff that we, you know, that, that we as show people like, you know, to do. And right, if we do it right, it means that we can help grow, you know, make a company better in more than one time a year, and that we can grow more efficiently. Absolutely, and also, I think when you start 
you know, being able to be with other people and actually ask questions to those individuals, you end up being able to think about problems slightly differently, right? And then so how you solve, for, for example, you mentioned, you know, Pepsi, you know, you think it's just about beverage. No, it's also about logistics. So therefore it's going into supply chain. And if you don't mind me saying supply chain, now we are trying to solve for supply chain risk, for example, with some of the startup I'm working with now. And so you actually start touching the industry and, and, and the logistics sector and the supply chain. And you are actually realizing how blurred all those lines are and potentially how you could meet everybody in one single place and actually engage in collaborative conversations that potentially are differentiating as well. Yes, yes. And boy, do I have a good show for your startups. <laughs> yes, you. Well, I can't wait, monsieur. Um, I want to ask you, Jay, now, if you have top tips around people, not, not only about why they should consider event shows, conferences as a place to learn and meet others, you know, what would be the top tip for anyone considering or not actually liking conferences and um, trying to really understand why the power of this exists today? I think there's probably a couple of things that, you know, sort of like come to mind. In our world where so much of it is tech, rarely are you going to make a million, multi-million dollar decision off of an email, off of a phone call. I mean, even, even off of a Zoom. You know, as much as it is nice to see, there is, right, you get, right, this much of us, you don't see us in our natural habitat. You don't see the body language, the engagement. And so if you think about for many things, you know, that's a piece. Another piece of it is what really happens at a show is it's multi-touch. You might see someone on stage, you might go to their booth, you might join one of their social functions. And so you're really developing a relationship, you know, sort of with them. I think the, the hardest part sometimes is we as people, we don't actually know what's good for us. And so, you know, much of the things that we might want to change about something, if we actually got our way, would make that thing less effective, you know, sort of like for us. And that happens like all the time uh, in life. And I think like the most counterintuitive thing is that the more people that are there, the more productive it can be. So you'll hear as a show grows, people say, oh, I miss when it was intimate. And, and I think what they're really missing is can I spend time with who I value the most? But if the goal is to actually be most efficient with your time and see the most and have the industry change the most, you need as big of an experience as possible that's there. Right? Disney's theme park is not meant to be done in an afternoon. That's like the equivalent of saying, oh, I wish a show were intimate. It's like saying, I want to go take my kids to a theme park that's only for two hours. There's a time and a place for that. But that doesn't stick with you as the memory that you will have when you when you think about it. So ultimately, the thing that is the, the onus on us as an organizer, but comes down to the people is you have to put in a ton of time to figure it out. If you just show up and that's again, that's what a great small show is. You don't have to do any work. You show up, you bump into everyone. It's easy. The hard part is when there's a ton of opportunity and you have to figure out who should I meet. It's just, you have to put in the time in order to get the result. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I would say that um, I, dis I discovered event, I think through the work you have been doing and the stuff I've been doing with you actually, uh, because 
once you actually make commitments to a show and you go to that show every every year, you develop relationship, you continue enhancing those relationship, you actually look at the world in some ways very differently. And I mean, fortunately enough, in my case, I was also able to come into your office in New York and whiteboard about what I wanted to see. And so I had a fantastic time as well. <laughs> it is the relationships. That's what it's about. I think about when I think back to, right, oh, InsureTech, it, it isn't the how big did it get? It's I cannot believe some of the people that are in my life cannot believe what I now know about an industry and how I feel for an industry that you might not otherwise do it. It's, it that is always like the legacy. But but of course, if, if I didn't feel that way, I'm in the wrong business anyway. Yeah, I mean, it was like, what, five, six years of your life as well, right? Yes, yes. So you are, you are fluent in insurance now. So anyway, what would be your last word of wisdom for Jones, Jay? Continue to get to know Sabine. How's that? Is that, is that good? <laughs> You're so kind. Anything else? <laughs> oh boy, right? It's the how much time do we have? I, I think today, because of where we are, I think it, it is just, you know, maybe it's back to the things always take longer than they seem. And so, how can you give yourself time to do it so that you don't? feel under pressure to make short-term decisions that may be bad for the long run. And that's, that is, sometimes it's out of our, you know, sort of like out of our control, but it's just like a startup. Runway is just always key. It is for all of us. Yeah. Very wise words. So where can we find you and where can we find those amazing events you're building? Well, anyone can reach out to me at jjay at connective. C-O-N-N-E-C-T-I-V.com. And all of our stuff is at connective.com and they can reach out to you and you can put them in touch. Absolutely. Uh, what was what we do. I love getting a chance to connect. We've been super fortunate to talk to thousands of entrepreneurs and investors over the last many years. And you know, trying to see connections get made, right? That's hey, that's what that's what inspires us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, thank you so much for sharing some of your tips as well. Because one thing I know is that relationship with Chase are, are forever. So I'm very pleased and very humbled to be in your life. You are stuck with me. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, and you know, the details will be as well on the podcast so people will be able to find you. Well, thank you, Jay, for giving some of your time today. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Can't wait. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.